I met a man He was a good man Sailing and shoring Dancing the beta can-can Making the foreign Ah oh, yeah Okay, this is I Hate LA. We're here today with Claude Shires, who just directed his first HBO special, Translate This, with comedian Felipe. As far as, uh, man, Claude's got a lot to share. He's been through a crazy journey here in LA, here for 17 years, originally from Tampa, Florida, via Indiana. So he's been here 17 years. He's been a comic, a paid regular, a molecular biologist, an organ and teacher. I mean, it goes on and on. You guys got to check out this episode. Here he is, Claude Shires. So here he is, Claude. The resume is pages long here. I have you as a, uh, a comic, a former molecular biologist, uh, organ and tissue harvester, uh, a video editor, a colorist. Currently directed his first HBO special, Translate This, starring Felipe, es- Felipe Esparza. Felipe, yes. yeah, I knew I was going to mess that one up. <laughs> That's all it's good. a comedy, your first comedy special currently uh, airing on HBO. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's what uh, I mean. That's it's, like, so we were just talking, like, yeah, just, you know, give me the job. And, um, well, that, yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of a shock. So Felipe and I were both comics. Yeah. And he won Last Comic Standing. And then I was actually featuring for him in Las Vegas. And not even in the cool part of Las Vegas, yeah. but well, actually it is kind of the cooler part. Fremont Street, have you ever been down oh, there? Oh, no, that's my favorite. Four, four, four Queens. We used to perform at the Four Queens together. And, um, yeah, you get a hot dog, a fried yeah, Oreo, exactly. a and margarita. Yeah, exactly. And a ticket to a comedy show for seven bucks. Yep. Yeah. All included. And uh, so Felipe and I were working there, and, um, and then somehow or another I had ended up well, editing his previous comedy special in Showtime. So we became friends and like just chatted it up and then yeah. him and his wife Lisa approached me and said, hey, do you want to, you know, do you want to direct our comedy special? And I said, yeah. And that was actually during that, the whole thing with Amazon, which I had recently, I mean, to kind of like summarize in 30 seconds, like started my career as a comedian, had to pay the bills, learned how to do, you know, the organ and tissue job and editing, and then went from editing to... Organ and tissue job is not like <laughs> some weird euphemism in the comedy world. You are actually an organ and tissue... Harvester. Harvester of sorrow, as I call it. It was, uh, <laughs> it was mean, like, well, that was, that was actually... This is a tangent, but you went to school for molecular biology, mm-hmm. so you actually knew how to do this kind of stuff. Well, I, was, uh, I, I got my degree in biology, molecular biology, and then my junior year in college, I started doing stand-up. And I, I, I literally worked the door at the comedy store in San Diego while I was doing bio classes, and then, like... I never actually, it was interesting, like when I became a paid regular at the comedy store, it was after about a year of doing stand-up, because when you work the door, right, then you get to go up on Friday nights and Saturday nights as well. So I was doing that and um, um, finishing my biology degree, and then as soon as I got made a paid regular, I was like, it was like, I was kind of shocked, because you have to audition for this chick, Mitzi, I don't know if you guys have heard any of these stories, but Mitzi's run, she's Pauly Shore's mom, she runs the comedy store, and so you would have to audition <laughs> wait, for her, wait. oh my god, okay. <laughs> it's just kind of a zoo, so the comedy store is like the dysfunctional uh, uh, yeah. uncle of comedy, it's three rooms, for those of you who haven't ever been to the comedy store. Is it's Pauly Shore's mom a euphemism in the comedy world, or are you, <laughs> No, it's, real? it's actually Mitzi Shore, yeah, and it's like, and she's legendary for a lot of reasons. I didn't know that. But she would, 
she was just notoriously ruthless. I mean, she just like would just like <laughs> she would like literally oh, like Mitzi. she would she would only like not give you spots, but she would like ban you from the property if she what? didn't like you. So yeah, she, right. like, I have a couple friends who who are actually banned by her. But you, so here's a perfect example. You go in on a Wednesday night at the comedy store and you perform, right? Well, when Mitzi's there, it's like an audition night, so she sits in this booth in the back by herself with these little glasses on, like a citronella candle underneath there, and all the lights like shining off. That's all you can see from the stage is like it's complete sea of darkness and these little like glint off of her glasses and she'd say stuff like you'd, you'd say one joke you'd be like and that's what I told the president and she'd be you could hear in the back of give him the light he's horrible and she, <laughs> and she she presumably just looks like an old Yenta version of Polly Shore, like same outfit, basically. Yeah, she's like pretty much the hair. godmother of comedy. Oh my god! And, uh, I have to look her up. I didn't so, know that at all. So Mitzi Shore. So anyway, so I was working the door of the comedy store, and uh, Mitzi made me a paid regular. And uh, of course, she didn't do it. Like, and well, Duncan Trussell, who was the talent coordinator at the time, because we were all terrified of Mitzi. You know, like she could just fire you in a second and ask you not to come back to the store. So Duncan comes up to me and he goes, as, as, after I got off stage, he goes, has no one, has anybody talked to you yet? And I'm like, no, 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 what's going on, man? Like, what's up? And she, he's like, she doesn't want you here anymore. He's like, she's actually, uh, yeah. Like, do you have any stuff here that you can collect? Because, like, she'd like you to leave. And I was like, like, literally almost in tears. And he goes, I'm just fucking with you. You're a new paper regular. <laughs> and I was like, what a dick. So um, so getting back to our other tangent, so I, I was doing stand-up and uh, finishing my bio degree, and then I moved to Los Angeles in 2000. Yeah. And because uh, I was like, oh my god, I'm going to move here, and this is going to be, yeah. I'm going to become famous. Like this is yeah. what's going to happen. Every chick that didn't get to, you know, hook up with me in high school, this oh, is going to be your chance. Time. I'm going to like, you know, and uh, and I got up to LA, and it was just like it smelled like hookers and feet. It was just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, what part? Um, and, uh, where did you arrive? Like, did, where was your first apartment? Well, I used to, I used to, well, I used to drive up here from San Diego yeah. after class, and I would like stay at Quality Inn on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. And then I would go do a spot at the Comedy Store, and then I'd go back to my hotel room and sleep, and then get up the next morning and drive back to San Diego yeah. to go to class. Oh. And uh, it was just brutal. But you know, at the time, it's like if you had a spot at the Hollywood Comedy Store, you'd drive up for it. You know, yeah. you'd be like, dude, of course I want to go. Like, you know, I was like 28 years old yeah. at the time, and. Um, and finishing my degree. It was kind of another story. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I figured out kind of early that I couldn't really afford to pay the bills doing stand-up. So that's when I ended up, you know, taking on this, both two things, editing, video editing, but before that even was the organ and tissue harvesting job, which was the, basically, I was basically the boogeyman. That's what my job felt like. I would, um, I would be, I got trained on this in, in Tampa and in Atlanta, uh, for for work here in LA, and basically, like, it, if somebody, if you're a dead person, you're a tissue donor. I would be like the last person to see you before you went to the mortuary. Uh, and like me and another dude would basically scrub in like a fully like go like going into an OR, right? You put on all the stuff, and then you shave the body, and you give them an alcohol bath and an iodine bath, and then I would take all the bones out of like the right side of the body. No. And he would do the left side of the body, and no. then we would put them back together with wood and PVC, because if you didn't do that, they were just like jelly people. They were like, <laughs> yeah. what? And these are for people like if you have that sticker on your driver's license or yeah. something, if you're gonna yeah. be a tissue donor. Yeah, which I don't but have what do you anymore. Mean? And I'm not, you have to like take everything out. Well, you can't take living tissue unless you're an MD because it's a perfused tissue. Right, so it's like something. It's a living person, and then there's consent. But it's like if you die and you're on the road for four hours, they're not going to take any of your living tissue because it's, it's so performing to a half, you know, empty crowd, you know, in some seedy comedy club with a bunch of it's it's bullshit. It's nothing to you. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. Well, they're cutting up dead people at night. Yeah, well, yeah. It's pretty much no more dignity they can take back. Yeah. At that point. 
No, it was fine. Out. Yeah, it was. It's and that's the thing is I would oscillate between doing like working at a club like the Punchline and then getting a page. It's like one of the few industries that still uses pagers. They'd get a page to call them back uh, and be like, and they go, "Hey, we have a case. Can you be here in two hours? Or can you meet the crew at the airport because we're gonna fly to Savannah because they just had like some you know thirteen year old girl drive off of a cliff uh, or something." But it must have been slightly rewarding that you are. Doing something for science as far as like helping. Yeah, I mean, being a donor is kind of admirable. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I I just don't think you could do that job long term, but it was definitely. I'm trying to put a puzzle. uh, No, well, it it was, I have to say, it's a fascinating gig, man. Like, you know, there's a lot of parts about if you're into, you know, I think that's very insightful for for your journey and who you become and what you're doing. It's like, all right, perspective to nuts, man. I can do it all, (laughs) which you seem to be doing, which is just. Just incredible. So, okay. So you moved to LA. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm doing this. Where did mm-hmm. you, where did you first land? When I first, I actually, somebody said, look, I tried to find an apartment broker. Oh, <laughs> somebody yeah. talked to me into that. Did you do that too? Well, you know the, the what do you call it? West Side Rentals yeah. or something like and that. And everybody so. has like the same password. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And when I first moved here, like, I, yeah, exactly. Everybody's sharing that account. I found like a little tiny apartment in Santa Monica, like old nice. school Santa Monica. Yeah. And um, and I lived there. It was on California, and it's like 16th. And I so, lived there for just by myself for like two years. And I was yeah, like, didn't know anybody. I literally like once I moved up here, it was like I feel like I was you know between doing just doing stand up comedy and getting an occasional editing gig. It was like I felt like I didn't know anybody for 18 months. It took me that long just to know, just Did to learn. Did you teach it. yourself how to edit, or were you trained to do that as well? No, I actually most of my editing stuff I learned from. Either this guy Larry Jordan, who actually had in-person classes and then switched to online, and Lynda.com, and I learned that mostly to cut my own comedy because yeah. I wanted to cut that stuff together that I was shooting with like a little handy cam. Yeah, and then that's really kind of the the seed that for everything because once I started cutting my own stuff together, I was like I really fell in love with video editing. You know, and I was doing stand up at night. And when you're a comic, you have so much downtime. Like, literally, you could accomplish a whole, you could have a whole other life. And I think a lot of comics did never do that. Like, you could have a whole, you could work a full time job and still do stand up comedy because that only happens at night for the most part anyway, right? So I spent a lot of time on the computer learning how to edit and then cutting not only my stuff, but your stuff or whoever, Comic X, you know, for just a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there. Yeah, but that would fit and that was perfect. And then one day I got a call. (laughs) <laughs> from one of these big comedy producers, Neil Marshall, that he'd had a falling out with his editor, and his editor had deleted all his footage for a two-hour comedy special that had already been bought by Showtime, and they had no master. And would I come in and digitize and edit 44 HD cam tapes to the one video clip that they had left of the entire show and recut the entire thing in HD? And you're like, sure. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. It took me six weeks. Wow. To digitize it. I mean, from a technical standpoint, it was actually crazy because they the only footage they had was a 2997 Digi Beta, like of the show, which is like for television, but it's not high def, it's standard def. And all the camera tapes were at 24 frames per second and they were high def. So I basically had to take all of the, the 24 frame stuff and then make it 2997 and then sync it. It was a huge pain in the ass, but we were able to do it. And then, um, yeah, and that was like really kind of my entry into like professional video editing for TV. At that point, it was literally like everything I'd cut was like for YouTube or for a friend. Okay, or, you know what I mean. 
and uh, and then since then, I probably edited like forty comedy specials. I did Jen oh. Rivers' last special. I did Andrew Dice Clay, Indestructible. Wow. And then I just literally would go. I, I would say that you guys have have, have literally fucked this up so badly. <laughs> like I flew That's myself to Atlanta. I remember one time for Ricky Smiley's production because they had been fucking giving me shit that was out of sync all the time. Uh. And I literally like flew down and I met with the entire production crew and more importantly the sound team. And I was like, guys, so just so we're all clear we're shooting you know 29.7 drop frame and the producer was like why are you here again and I was like because I'm editing this shit and I don't want to like you know I'm getting us very little money and I want to make sure I don't spend a lot of time on it so it was just you know important to have that call this is just amazing how your comedy background you know led you to being the, the you know the editor of comedy specials basically yeah and, uh, Building a niche through mm-hmm. connections and, and tons of hard work, it sounds like. So well, and, you know, I think it's, again is it's like everything that you do is a byproduct of your experience, right? So what I found was that like, I mean, I love doing stand up, and I you know I actually can't wait to get back on stage myself now that I've like my daughter's old enough to where I could like convince my wife going out at ten and coming back at one a couple nights a week is a good <laughs> idea. But you know, literally, like you kind of if you follow what you really love, and and I think that like people get confused, like it should be this or it should be that, but like I love stand up, but I love loved editing and editing didn't require a two drink minimum lights yeah. and an audience you know it was like i could dive into editing and i had just the material and you could create that world and i think that that was really like there was so much creative energy I could pour into that. Whereas, like with stand up, it was like I had to, you know, I could do the last. Well, it sounds like you were creating a really good balance for yourself. Just like a good, well, like a good mix of like, and an income, you know? Yeah. That was the other part. So it was important. It was like, yeah. Because you don't want to be on the road three weeks and pay for an apartment in LA that you're there one, you know, 10 days a month. I mean, no, we have so to, we have to figure it out. I mean, you yeah. know, uh, as Chris knows, of course, that's why I like to teach, you know, it gets me out of the house. It's not super lucrative or anything, but you know, yeah. it just it balances my life out. Yeah. If I'm sitting in the studio all day every day, yeah. If you're in the comedy club all night every night, mm-hmm. you it takes a certain kind of person. Yeah, it does. And like 14 years of that, you know, ultimately just like I mean, it's so good for you in other ways, I think. Like, you know, being able to quick and personable and like What is it. your act as a comedian cuz I'm you know, we're we're new friends. I haven't seen it, but like if you could just explain to our listeners, like, because I can imagine. <laughs> well, but. most of like, like my act now, like, like I've kind of transitioned. It's funny. I got into an argument with another comic friend of mine because my wife and I were going through this really rough time, and like we were separated, and we're back together now, so it's all good. But we're just going through this rough time, and I really wanted to talk about this on stage. You know yeah. what I mean? And like my friend was like, "Dude, it's not about you. It's about making them laugh and go in there and do a dick joke ah, or whatever." And I'm like, "Dude, not for me anymore." I was like, "Fuck this! I've done that for them for 14 years. I've like I've kowtowed to jokes about yeah, my favorite farts, yeah is you know? seeing the vulnerability seeing and like the real shit, right? Yeah, I just watched Pat Oswalt. So. Yeah, I did too. Holy and shit! And it's like you know. We expected that from him. Like, I wanted to see that. Yeah. You know, because he, he could go out there and do the best yeah. dick jokes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's like, the, the great thing about that is that level of honesty and vulnerability is is irreplicable. Yeah. It's not something someone can steal. You know, it's exactly. like, it's, and I think that that's where hacky comics get. It's like, you know, take my wife, you know, but it's like, I'll give you an example. And I was telling this to somebody the other day, like, you just can't write certain kinds of comedy. You just have to be present for it to occur. Like yeah. I was with, I was with Christina, and I, we were driving her and some friends of hers to 
like go see some freaking Sex in the City movie or some shit. I forget what it was. <laughs> and the girl in the back is like totally crying because she hasn't found a, a man, right? She's, she's like 34. She hasn't found a, a man. And there's a girl with her. My wife turns around. On your way to the movie? She, yeah, she's, she's like breaks down. She's like breaks down. Yeah. And my wife turned around and she's trying to counsel this girl. Yeah. And she's like. You guys are pre-gaming. That's yeah, how you pre And I'm like driving her. like, oh, geez. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and the girl in the back is like, I just want to find a is nice this sober, guy. by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and she's like, I just, I just want to find a nice guy. He doesn't He doesn't have to be good looking. He could just be sure, nice. Just rich, just rich as hell. And, and Chris goes, I know what you mean. I've never been in a good looking guy. <laughs> I was like, um, I'm still, I'm still in the car, like driving. She tries to backpedal. And she goes, No, no, no. I mean, like dudes with the washboard stomach and like. And I was like, Dude, it's not getting any better. I was like, You're just digging and digging. Or like, you know, you know what I mean? Like classic good looks, yeah, good I mean, hair, yeah, exactly. you know, good, uh, yeah. Oh, I mean. So now it's like really awkward. I'm like dropping them off, and I'm like, You guys have fun. I'll just drive back to the, you know, sure, ugly guys. I'm gonna go to the gym. So exactly. I'm gonna go to the gym now. See you guys. Yeah. Well, so explain to me and to us this this HBO special, man. It must be just thrilling to see it, and and it's on. It's yeah, thrilling. it's on HBO now. I mean, it's on HBO, HBO Go, and HBO Latino. It came out October first, and um, and uh, the great thing about it is is like this was the first job that I literally didn't have anybody looking over my shoulder saying do this or do that or yeah. do this. It was like I literally worked with Felipe and his wife and then we like sat down in a room and said, look, we want it to look this way, we want it to feel this way. Felipe immigrated here illegally and now he's a naturalized citizen. Oh. So the whole special, from, trend, from Mexico, okay. and so the whole backdrop of his comedy specials built out of his in, in illegal immigration documents. Topical. He's got his three brothers, right? Him and his two brothers came here on these passports, but the passports that they used were two boys and a little girl. So his one brother had to dress up Bati, like a little girl cross-dressed. And now, shocker, later on, she's gay now. And Felipe's dad is like, mijo, why is he gay? Why is he gay now? It's like he had to rehearse. Why are you in this country because of Bati? So, um... So yeah, that was a you know, and that was a really great experience to be able to be like, okay, there's not like some person like constantly in control and you know this from your painting like literally it was like we said this is the color palette we want to use for the backdrop like and then I know somebody who's in a great graphic design person let's work with him and let him do his artwork yeah. and then we'll put that in the back and it was like literally it was like it was it was a great opportunity to like let everybody do what they're great at and not to control that but just to put those elements in, in the same place and say okay like this guy's like he picked the like our, our, our uh, Alvaro Martin Blanco our DP, like he's he's a fucking painter, dude. Pardon yeah. my French. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we looked at all the color palettes with his skin tones first. Like Felipe is like what he wanted so it just to wear. Felt organic. Felt like <sighs> everybody was there for the right reason. Yeah, and, and like, like we weren't even thinking about HBO be. at the time. Yeah. yeah, you know, we're just thinking like we want to make this amazing. And then like literally, like the minute we got it to his agent, they were like, like three days later, they were like, HBO wants to buy this. Yeah, you know, and we we're like, fuck, like okay, great. You know, that's fantastic. And again, it was like, and this was like, like kind of the, I think the part of coming to this town that like, that, that is, if you've ever like just, once you've marinated in here for fucking 10 years or whatever, you realize like, like getting your SAG card doesn't mean shit. Like you get it and right. then it's like getting a driver's license. Right. You know, it's like something else to put in your wallet. And like for us doing like it, not to acknowledge the amount of work and how great it is to have this there, but it had kind of less of a glow to it than it did like at day one. You know, like if you'd come here day one and you'd fall off of a turnip truck and get on a show or like, you know, get a great gig, then you think like it's amazing. But you know, 10, 20 years in, you realize it's the work that you really fall in love with that generates the result. It's not. You'd be doing it regardless. Yeah. And it's just, 
it, it's a passion. You know, I equate that to painting. I would be doing it regardless. Yeah. And it wouldn't matter if I was serving coffee all day or whatever. I mean, it's nice that I don't have to, yeah. to be honest. But, you know, it's it's just you do it regardless. And then if it, the work begets the work, if you're truly doing it and you're in it, and you're meeting just enough of the right people, and and that's it. I mean, you yeah. just gotta, you just gotta start, or and then you just gotta continue. And then, I don't know where you find your inspiration or your energy, but um, you know, certainly this town is just chock full of people that are so talented and so passionate. I mean, the most talented people in the world, they flock here, they move here, and you know, you meet, you meet yeah. a couple good ones. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. There is, you know, I think that like any like it, you're, to your point, like. Anybody that's following that and ends up here, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like there's, there's. A, I feel like you should get a stripe just for getting here. Sure, man. You know, like think about how many people we know that just don't like. I mean, so many of my friends stayed home for whatever reason. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's like a choice that they made. But like for me, you know, I, I always tell people it's like it's like the Wizard of Oz. Like you know, there's oh, yeah. Hollywood is that dude behind the oh, curtain, yeah. doing the thing. But it's the journey, right? Like you go there and you want it to be this thing, and like so you can come here for the wrong reasons and stay for the right ones, right? Like you can come here and like it's like I'm, you know what? I want to complete this conversation about who I thought oh, I was supposed fu- to be. And, and the fucking Tim Man will be right there, exactly. you know. And it's like we all are that cowardly line. I know it's super yeah. poignant, you know. Yeah. And and I was watching it with my daughter actually in that yellow brick road and <laughs> yeah. all of that. And and there is a lot of the tumultuous. Things that will happen can happen. Yeah. Um, not to say that we're both Dorothy. That's uh, you know. But, but, but uh, yeah, but you don't have to look any further than your own backyard for the stuff that's really important. Yeah. You know, and doing what you really love is the key, right? And it's like you would think it sounds like so obvious, but it's almost like you have to go down the yellow brick road yeah. to learn that that obvious point. Like, oh shit! Like, I couldn't have just taken somebody's word for it. Like, and every creative, <laughs> inspired, talented person will will pretty much tell you the same yeah. thing. You know, just find out what you love and. It's just so trying to hone in on that, and and I'm still there. Like I, you know, I I know that I'm a a, a, a painter, but like you know, I I have more days than not where I'm just like, what am I doing? You yeah. Know? But it's something just keeps telling me just keep, keep working on it. And you have to acknowledge that part of you too, because I think that's the other part of it. Is it's like, like I'll get into it with some people. I get dude, I just I'm following my gut on this one. Like, I'm just going with my gut, and this feels like yeah. a right decision. Yeah. Like, I literally, much to my wife's chagrin, like, there's this artist, this well, this comedy special for this big A-level artist that works for all these A-level agencies, and I was going to do this job, and I literally was, like, doing it for almost no money because I was so wanted to play at yeah, that yeah. level. Yeah. But my gut was like, dude, this is not the right job. Like, And I, like, literally, and they fired, like, I basically told them I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. For their amount of money that they wanted me to do it for, and that and that I was doing it for so little money that if I didn't have my, the entire amount of my bank account by the next day at noon, that my fee goes up by twenty percent, and they fired me on the spot, and I was like, thank God. Yeah. And then they called me back half an hour later, rehired me, and said they would do it right for for the budget that wow. I had proposed, right? Our but goal. they were going to take away my back end points, and I said, fine, I'll do it. Like, but again, my gut's like screaming at me. And then the next day I get a phone call from another director and he said, dude, they called me on this job. I thought you had this job. So they basically left me on the hook, just kept me there so that they could hold me there find somebody else to do it for less and then fire me after the fact. It was so sleazy and gross. <sighs> but here's the thing. I, like to your point, I just listened to my gut. It's a business, and yeah. I, and I walked off and you know, and the next day this guy calls me up and he goes, please like do yeah. this job. And I go, dude, if I go do this job with you guys, 
right in the, with 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 this agency and all these producers down in, in Jacksonville in a truck where everybody hates my guts because I made <laughs> them go through this. How are we going to make anything together? Sure. Like I'm doing you guys a favor by by not it's taking the, the system exactly. Just went through with I yeah just, yeah. It's, it's just so it was so gross. And and the point was is is it's like you know I didn't take like I I would have taken that job for the wrong reasons because yeah. my ego would want to play at that level and I would sure. want like big name agencies and all this stuff and that's what I really kind of but that was the sleazy part. It wasn't like this is the joyful part where I get to create. So how do editors work? Do you represent yourself or do you have a I've I've only like word of mouth and a referral okay. has pretty much done everything. I mean So you don't I, have like a literary type agent or something like that? I, I don't. I'm actually j I've just talked to like a couple agencies to to get representation literally because I'm technically proficient enough in production to like okay. do a comedy special. I don't know anything about that. So. No. Well it's it's just like normally you get like an eight like there are agents for editors, I guess. Yeah. Um and there's they're kind of more like headhunters, I guess. But there are agents for for. Uh, well, it seems like there's agents for everything out here. Yeah, we have something in common. We both worked in casting. Yes, that's right. So I, I had these Hollywood pipe dreams when I moved here in 2003. I finished art school. I had a really great start in art. I mean, I won my school show. I got picked up by uh, a couple different galleries, and I was actually making a living selling art and teaching art. And um, so I just thought, ah, I can move down to L.A. and just keep rolling with yeah. this, man, big time, no problem. And it actually was going pretty well. And um, I called my cousin out of the blue. I had never met her. I will drop her name, Ronnie Eskel, well-known casting director. And, and uh, long story short, she basically said, oh, come on, right, come in. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, doors open, like, it would be great to meet you. So we, you know, we hit it off, and, and she was working on some really, really, really big things. Oh <laughs> she, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp yeah. Fiction, uh, you know, our, you know, big highlights in her resume. So she was doing two or three different uh, pilots at the time, and and uh, Blade trilogy and <laughs> other things that I was in the room for because I was the token camera guy. Yeah, yeah. And I had got an insight to this town Yeah. right when I got here that was so unbelievably priceless. Like, you couldn't believe it. I met every single person in town. Yeah. Got free drinks for life at every bar yeah. in my neighborhood. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And inadvertently, that's how I met my wife. Um, that's another story. But um, it just was such a great experience but I got to learn kind of how Hollywood works certainly how casting works yes. and all the ins and outs and how difficult it really is yes. and all of these um, young actors who would come in for all these pre-reads and it didn't mean shit because the producers and the directors knew who they wanted yeah. and it was just all so formulaic and yeah. I saw all of these young people with all of these dreams and aspirations some had been here in season and salty some had just got here Yeah, and I just saw it every day all day long the hopes and dreams on um, these fresh-faced, <laughs> yeah. beautiful actors and actresses who would walk in the door and they would just pour their guts out. I mean, and it was tears and, and everything, all that, all day long. I mean, and I, for me personally, okay, here, here, you know, I got this great in, you know, and, and I'm going to just, I'm going to get this job in casting, which basically doesn't exist because nobody pays a casting director, let alone an right. associate or the camera boy, any money. Yeah. And then... You know, okay, well, then I'm going to, you know, hook up with this producer and work at his place yeah. and get into production. And I want to paint at night and I love painting and I'm going to always paint, but, you know, this is a real way to do this. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to do this. Yeah. But, you know, every single person in this town was like, 
you know, that I would interview with or that I would talk to, okay, well, where'd you go to school? Okay, well, what do you do? And, you know, I would show them my art. It would default to my to my painting. Mm-hmm. And every single person is like, just, you're a painter. Like, do your paintings. Yeah. You love and it. it was so defeating um, because I had such lofty goals to be like a Hollywood producer, basically. Yeah. Uh, but every day was sort of a knockdown, but also like this huge pat on the back that was like, you know, you need to do you. Yeah. And this is fun, but you do you. And, and, and it didn't quite translate, but, um, you know, I, I guess... It, I guess I just chalked it up as kind of an incredible experience. And uh, well, casting is such a like bizarre world too, because you're right. Everybody's hopes and dreams are on it, and like, um, it's just it's it's what they want, and it's not personal. That's the thing, but you can't not take it personally. And that's the one thing I always found that was so frustrating about acting is it's like, dude, if you're like plugging in a camera, you either have picture or you don't. You know what I mean? Like, if you've like really nailed the character. Or have you really? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you? It's so it's so ambiguous, and you uh, just can't get your hand around it. You know, like I mean, you, to a certain point, you know. And I think in casting, auditioning, dude, and acting are obviously very different things. But like when I worked at uh, Ulrich Dawson Kritzer, we would sort all of the. Headshots. They don't even do that anymore. But all the interns were there. Six of us yeah. were on a table. A pile, B pile. Same. Remember that? Like, yeah. like yeah, dude. No, no. Yeah, CA is over here on ICM, whatever. But then, yeah. you know, in APA maybe. But everybody else, like, you know what? Get, like, who's like yeah. uh, Vendetta? Put those guys in like the B or C pile, whoever it was at the time. And uh, yeah, and you see all these headshots. I remember I made a colossal mistake, dude, in one of these casting rooms. I pulled out a headshot in front of one of the casting directors, and it was literally a chick that had chained herself to a giant open water pipe in a bikini. Good choice. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I pulled it out, and I go, I go, dude, I go, this chick is freaking retarded. <laughs> and there was like this pregnant silence, and then one of the casting directors looks over and she goes, you know, I don't like that word. Oh, I thought she said that's my daughter. And I was like, I was like, oh my god, is your kid super retarded? I was like, my bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. Let me just put my foot in my mouth here. Excuse me. You know, but, uh, these days in Hollywood, yeah, you you uh, you gotta be careful. You see, especially like, oh my god, what's going on right now? This whole industry is collapsing. So it's a. Uh, well, hey, man, social media has shined a light on how racist, sexist. Um, and fucked up we all are mm-hmm. as a society it's just turned the mirror on us all and I think it's good you know I it's the one thing that that social media I mean listen it's toppled governments you yeah know? and so it could certainly topple industries and and it's yeah it's like hey this, this is really is yeah. what's been going on and it makes me one. feel fat and ugly because Harvey Weinstein never beat off in front of me. <laughs> I've, been at, like, I've met him one time. And well, just, speak for yourself. God, I gotta go to the gym. Yeah. No one does that. <laughs> it's so weird too. Like, actually, we're talking, and since we're all on this topic, we might as well just cover it a little bit because there is some humor in this. But it's like, okay, so sexual harassment is one thing, and sexual assault is another thing. Okay. Now, uh, I was yeah, talking I to two women, right? Because they have they're, there's this really great project that I'm gonna ho- help them work on called the Auditioners. It's about three females that are like living in LA. Yeah. Brit, one's an Aussie, um, and one's US, and they're basically all here, uh, but they go through all the shit that we go through in casting. Dude, I'll send it to you, Scott. You'll okay. love it. But um, anyway, I was talking to them about it. I was like, so what? how do you define the difference between 
harassment and assault. Is harassment just like slapping somebody on the butt and assault is like, you know, if yeah. you pull out your penis, it's pretty much assault at that yeah. point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, if it's out, it's uh, harassment and if it touches you, it's assault. I don't know. I don't know the, the rules, but it's it's definitely going to be... I need like a... Know. Yeah, we all need like a little... <laughs> we, like you need a, like the thing, like the bathroom, like in the bathroom so is like, it's like app, yeah. wash your hands, no mm. harassment, no assault. Okay, yeah. But, it is disturbing, and I, I feel, you know, to, to that point, when I was taking a two-year Meisner course here, um, at, uh, at here, and well, I'm not going to even say where it was, but there was another actor in the class who was getting a ton of roles, right? Yeah. Two, I have two stories on that. One was this, this male actor who was basically getting all these roles, and we kept being like, oh, my God, why is this guy getting all these roles? Like, why is this guy, like, dude, I'm going to this, like, I work in casting, I can't get jobs like this. And then literally, one day, he calls me up crying, he's just like, I got, hey, oh, I need to talk to some, you know, I'm like, what's up, dude? He's like, I need to talk to somebody. I go, okay, what's going on, man? He's like, he goes, I need to tell you something. I was like, what's going on? He's like, I've been letting these producers go down on me to get these jobs, you know? For, I was to, for like you know these like little five and under roles, you know what I mean? Jeez. And I was like, I know. I go, well, why are you upset, dude? Did they not give you five lines? We all know a blowjob's at least five lines. And he's <laughs> no. straight. But he's and he was straight. Well, I, I don't know what you call that at that yeah. point. Yeah. When you're if you're straight, but you let that happen, do you still qualify as straight? I don't know. How does that really happen, dude? I don't know. And and uh, this this chick, this uh, this other girl that I was in the same exact situation, same school, God. she was getting roles in like these Richard Gere films and and all these other stuff. And she uh, turns turns out she was uh, Weinstein had put her up at a producer's like you know carriage house. And like I remember, like being in work, like doing scenes with her, and yeah. looking out the window, and there was like this guy watching from the house, who was like an obviously gay producer. And I remember being like, "Well, he's not like he's worried about me. He's gay, you know what I mean? It's not like he's worried about her, rather, you know." Yeah. Come to find out that that was like a little place where he just tucked one of his little chicks away that he could, you know. And it's just so gross. So is it just power? Is it? I, you know, I don't know, man. I think I think it is power, and I think I think someone probably. I mean, and I'm going off on a fucking tangent limb here, but I think someone that looks like that, like like Harvey does, maybe felt bad his whole life and felt under. You know what I mean? It's just like this is his way of getting back at the world or making it equal. Oh, there's issues like, there. Yeah, dude. I mean, but it's like it's yeah. I mean, I saw today. It was just some weird shit in the news about him, like blonde hair and fucking weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, it's it's a horrible thing, but I do want to say this: like they're cleaning house now in Hollywood around this, um, and I think there's tremendous opportunity on the other side of this for those of us that didn't do this kind of bullshit. Well, and for women, and for women too. Yeah, and minorities. Well, and every, and every and people that have been put on the or that are kind of at the result of that behavior. So yeah, yeah, or people that have you know historically been disenfranchised or not given the opportunity or have been discriminated against or. Um, you know, sort of power fucked by this industry, mm-hmm. and so the yeah, I do see a giant silver lining, uh, especially for females, mm-hmm. and it's been happening. There's just so much accountability with the, with the internet, and it's just man, yeah, you can't just be some dick anymore. I mean, no, you, I, I, I had a friend who got shut down hard because he wrote some chick on Facebook all drunk one night that wouldn't oh, that, that yeah. like rebuked his his. Uh, yeah. His his incoming whatever. And he basically wrote some shit on Facebook about her and then she posted what he wrote yeah. as a screenshot and like literally everybody yeah. from all over the world attacked this guy. Like his name was Mud in this town forever and it was like 
it was just like brutal. He's like, dude, he's like, I can't live my life. He's like, I had to delete my Twitter account. Like, it's yeah. just like when you have the active trolls going after you, like, you know, run, run away. Yeah. I mean, he deserved it, though, you know? He deserved it for what he'd said to her. You know, you can't, whatever. Anyway. So the, the, the casting, you know, it, it's just, it was just incredible, and uh, I miss it. It was really fun. Um, you know, maybe one of these days. Um, Does she still cast? Oh, yeah, still? yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing really, really well that's still. Great, and, man. Uh, There's always, yeah. like, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, you know, the, the, the name comes up a lot, actually, if mm-hmm. I'm ever in an industry-type mm-hmm. setting. Oh, uh, so... Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, you do. There's, there's, and this is the great thing about LA too is you don't you, you don't just have to do one thing. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can work as like a, a paint. Like I mean, I can't do comedy until there's like you know it's dark outside or whatever. But you know you have you can have multiple. Different the most ways. successful people I know that are really making it in acting, yeah, are also just just super talented writers, musicians, directors, yeah. just nonstop. And that's always been the most inspiring, you know. I guess back in the day, you had somebody would send you a script and you would read it over and yeah. you would you would be yeah. like this, like, uh, what, studio kind of actor or something. Yeah. It was like almost like a nine to five. And of course, that doesn't work anymore. I mean, it's just a global well, thing. And yeah. you got to just be, a, you just got to work. You got to you know? build your, you got to build your own thing. It's, it's actually... You know, now's the perfect time because never has more creative tools been, you know, available yeah. for so little. You know what I mean? And it's like I was it's talking- hard in the art world because it's the Instagram has basically exposed the entire art world, um, and you know, sort of pop and it it I, it uh, it's it's great for the the layman. You know, mm-hmm. somebody who just is is just. Purely focused on an image, mm-hmm. um, and and so it's good for that. But it's it's been a little difficult to navigate in that world because um, you know all of a sudden having fifty thousand Instagram followers isn't quite as important, or is oh, in a lot of people collectors' eyes more important than having a you know big time gallery behind you or something. Yeah. So so that's a sort of juggling act that I've been going through, and a lot of artists friends of mine that are going through, but. It's still at the end of the day all good because you know, listen, we're getting exposed to just the whole world um, for free. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and exposure is good. You know, I mean, it's like, I don't, you know, if you partake and you're into it, and um, you know, we could go on and on on that, but of course, it's like uh, the sign of the times with with the information age. Is that what mm-hmm. they're still calling it? Yeah. Information age 2.0. <laughs> Seriously, it's like such a data time. <laughs> We're all getting sucked up into the matrix, I'm convinced. So, and but beyond all of that, how do you find time to build this app that you're doing? So, okay, so, you know, it's funny. Um, I read somewhere that you can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So I got this. I got, I so like it. I went from... Video editing to directing to live streaming these two sh- seasons for Amazon of the show, The Guest List, yeah. that we live streamed out of a small bar. Okay. And so it occurred to me that how great would it be to have an app that you could live stream stand-up, like on an Apple TV, for example, or iPhone right. or Android. Um, and you could, instead of tapping and sending emojis, you could tap to laugh, like, ha, ha, ha. Okay. And so we built this app called Laugh Lounge that is basically, it's done. We haven't released it yet. It's been how do you know how to do that? You just I, figured it out? No. Well, what I did was I, I knew I knew what I didn't know more yep. than I... Than I and so, yeah. Well, that's a good skill. Yeah. Well, and, and it is. You think about yeah. it. Like, like, it always shocks me when people go, hey, you know what? 
I knew what I wanted to do from day one. Yeah. Because my life has been a series of like, you know what? Not going to be. I'm not going to be a molecular biologist. Not going to be a right. tissue harvester. Not going to be in the Marines. Not going to yeah. be any of these things. <laughs> yeah. And then ultimately, you like you eliminate so many. Wait, things. were you in the Marines? I was in the Marines for five years. Yeah, that was like a whole other life. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Marine part War. two. We're the mistake that. that keeps on giving. That's what I call it. I was like, oh my god. I got in there and I was like, man, this is these commercials were great because this is not like the commercial at all. You were like for real Marine? Yes, for real Marines, Paris Island. Holy shit. 19, dude. I was so... I, yeah. everybody, everybody, all your friends are like, yeah, man, I'll sign up with you. And then you're like the last guy sitting here at the train station when like... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where is everybody? And I was like... My twin brother was like, yeah, I'll do it with you. We'll do the buddy system. And then he like, of course... Chicken Five years is for real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was a reservist, so I was smart about it. But it was okay. like during the first Gulf War. I was going to we say. We were first activated during that. And then we were the first platoon to go through all the like desert warfare training and... But it was a good that I did that from an experiential standpoint because, again, it taught me, like, dude, I do not want to do this with my life. I was like, I learned it, and it was cool, and I dug it, but it was like, let's chalk that up. Let's keep moving. You know what I mean? You know? Wow. Um, and everything plays a role. So, anyway, that all this stuff, you can never connect them looking forward, right? You no. Looking back. So, video editor, director, and streaming led to hiring somebody that could build the app the way that we wanted it to be. Um, Laugh Lounge, and I'll send you. Actually, I'll send you the beta. You can play with it if you want. Yeah. But basically, it's it's a live streaming stand up comedy app where the comedians benefit. So okay. like so like comedians basically get a portion like Spotify Sweet. everything that's being watched, and then people can buy a show or they can subscribe for five bucks a month, and then all that gets basically we split everything with the comic right down the middle, and then we do pay per view events for like a larger act. And then if you subscribe, okay. you get a discount. So yeah, so yeah, so that's basically it's like what we're trying to do is create a new platform, like the world's first online stand-up comedy club, where comedians sure. have a, can get paid from a truly global audience. So we could basically do a show in LA, and then everybody in the world could buy tickets to the live stream, and then from there, you know, we split all that with the artist right down the middle. So everybody yeah. gets compensated and made whole. And um, dang, yeah, man, I love so it. Just, well, it's just another way to like. You know, it's like we're never has this been possible before with the speed of the internet and like the ubiquity of of mobile devices and that kind of thing. So literally, um, you know, we could do a show and have like you know, Bill Maher did a live stream on for his you know his, right. his thing, and he had a hundred thousand viewers in an hour. <laughs> you know, aggregate. You know, but still, like you know, he did that on Facebook Live, and that that was like when when we were building our model out, and we it was like, dude, look, this just shows you yeah. that we could, you know, you can get this type of viewer. Now, what if that was a dollar ninety nine pay per view? Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would watch that on my Apple TV with no two drink minimum required. You know, like getting stuffed into like a, a tiny table, and like you know. And again, I call that I know that from comedy days. You know what I mean? So it's Big all time. kind of comes through. So anyway, so we're in the process of that. So I'll send you the wow. spots for that. No, let's just hit. Cool. Oh, congrats. Thanks, man. Well, Claude, we could go on and on, but I, I want to. I want to conclude with um, your ideal day in LA. Um, oh, you know, for me, I remember there was there was one day where I got up and it was I, I surfed, and then I had a, a I acted in a commercial that day and then I did a spot at the comedy store that night and it was like I was like dude that was living the dream right there well it was like it was one of those things it was like it's like you should never judge yourself and the one exception that I have to that is if the person you were in high school would dig the person that you've turned out to be that's it you know 
And, I, and the, and I the answer that. to that question is yes. At that day, yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, shit, I did a spot at the comedy store. I was like, and I like went home and it was like, I think I probably slept the best I've ever slept in my life. Yeah. You know? Check this out, Facebook friends. Look what I did. <laughs> well, that, would, that, would, that, was even, that was even before Facebook. You know what I mean? But now that's what people would do. They'd be like, "Yeah, oh hashtag loving it." It's How all about them apples, like you know what I mean. Uh, it's only people from high school. It's nobody like I currently really yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what's everybody yeah. been doing? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, it's like, it's like if you self-impose the judgment, like, because we're all struggling in high school to find out who we are, where we're going to be, where we're going to go. And then if you like, literally, like. You could see that person in the future and like look back and be like, dude, okay, like I'm way happier that I tried and ended up where I, where I wanted to go, but I'm okay, you know, and I'm enjoying it. And it was like, you, you went there for the wrong reasons, you could stay for the right ones, you know. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome, Todd. man. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having dude, me. Thank you. Thank you.